Impact, Income, and Influence. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show helping you reach millions. My name is Steve Warner, and I am your host. Today, we are going to be talking about the income, but not just making more money. We're going to be talking about how you save more money. We're talking about everyone's favorite subjects, tax and tax strategy, but I have a rock star guest for you today. Tiffany Phelps, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Tiffany is my neighbor. She lives over in Houston. <laughs> I live in Austin, but we were talking. That makes us neighbors in Texas. Yes. So Yes, it does. Yes. I, yeah. People don't realize Texas is huge. So uh, <laughs> to get to El Paso is like 12 hours from Houston or something crazy. <laughs> it is. It is crazy. Did you know that there is a ranch in Texas that is bigger than the entire state of Rhode Island? I did. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, funny, the funny things about Texas, right? Like we've got a lot of things like that. Nice. Well, okay, Tiffany. You weren't always a rock star CPA. I doubt you were like seven years old and you're like, I love yeah. taxes. <laughs> I did not come out of the womb a rock star, that's for sure. <laughs> so take us back to where this started for you, because I don't I don't okay. know very many people that would say I'm passionate about taxes, but you obviously yeah. are. So take us back to where this started. Yeah. So first off, um, I am not so much passionate about taxes. I'm passionate about helping people keep their money. And I often say I am an entrepreneur and I just happen to use tax as the vehicle to help people. Um, and that it really is because most people don't know what they don't know. And I realized that really growing up. So I come from an entrepreneurial uh, household. My dad was a home builder, um, became a custom home builder around middle school. And so he always was self-employed. And so uh, my grandfather owned a Texaco station way back when it was still Texaco. Um, so I've had kind of this upbringing of um, business owners. And I always did little things growing up, trying to make money. I always had some sort of a business. Um, and it was just kind of bred in me when I graduated from college, I even then was just looking for something to do. I knew I wanted to work for myself. And so um, out of college, I started in corporate and doing tax and then doing controllership and manufacturing, all these things and kind of got sick of it and then got into doing taxes myself. I was your typical CPA right out of the gate, was not doing anything fancy, was really just doing what most CPAs do, prepare taxes and maybe do some accounting. And it's probably been about four years ago now when I was at a mastermind event with other accountants and CPAs. And there were a couple of them saying, hey, like I'm, I'm saving my clients all this money and I had a couple of side conversations with them and said, hey, how are you doing this? How, like, how does this work? And it was enough information that I took the ball and ran with it. My dad was actually my first kind of guinea pig on saving him money in taxes. And from there, it just became really the thing that I do. And now on average, I save about $97,000 per client. Nice. That's per, awesome. Per yeah. So I want to start back at the beginning because you got to tell us what was the first business idea when you were like eight, nine, 10 that you launched? What was it? 
I nay jewelry. Did you sell it door to door? I didn't. I actually had just from people that we knew, I had regular customers. I remember specifically at my optometrist office, the lady that did like the glasses, so you'd go in, you'd get fitted, and she'd fix them, whatever. She was my best client and best customer. <laughs> it's just crazy. They got had people from church and different people that we knew, and I had regular customers for a while, probably a couple of years. I love it. That's like every... <clears throat> All the entrepreneurs, not all of them, but most of them that I've talked to have something in their childhood where they were like, I'm going to go sell stuff. And they made something. It wasn't just yep. a lemonade stand. It was like next level. Right. So that's pretty sweet. So then, okay, fast forward, you go through college. You're like, I want to do something, but I don't know. So you end up in corporate. How bad did that suck? It sucked. <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> Pretty bad. No, and I think I feel like most entrepreneurs will get it when I say this because it sounds really cocky, but it's not really intended that way. You get to the point where you feel like I know as much or more than you do about what's going on around here. Surely I can do this too. It can't be that hard. And uh, then you become an entrepreneur and you get knocked down a few notches <laughs> and realize that there's so much more that you have to know. You had no idea. Um, so yeah. It, over it was not overly fun, but you know, I'm thankful for it. Uh, there were multiple times I actually attempted to go out on my own over the years and it just didn't work because frankly, I wasn't ready yet. And I'm thankful for that experience because I needed it to get to where I am now. I mean, that's, so my hat is off to you. Like that's, um, first off being in corporate, we've all been there, right? Like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this better. I'm going to go do it. That's like the first yep. thing. Like I think all entrepreneurs 100% have that happen sometime. Yep. But then we also have, I wouldn't, I, like one of my mentors called it entrepreneur scars. He was like, until you've got a bunch of scars from going out and trying different things, he was like, they're not failures. They're not even like, they're not failures in the fact that like you failed at them. They were learning experiences. Like you have to go through those and nobody just goes out and knocks it out of their park right away. Like you have to learn, right? Like I had all kinds yeah. of side hustles throughout yeah. the early two thousands before I found my stride. And so, I mean, awesome for you for getting there. Now I want to talk about how did you talk your dad into letting him be the guinea pig because I'm it's it's everybody's heard somebody come up to him and be like dude I can save you so much money and it, like the first thing that I think of when I'm, I'm like I I'm you're not touching my finances so how did you get your dad to lean in first off what was his business so he is a custom home builder and a, a pretty small shop you know, they don't have typically more than a couple jobs going at a time. So he's not this huge builder. Um, and really, he, he, it's always been like feast or famine with his business. Either he had a lot going on or it's like, we have no jobs. I need to get some bids out and we need to drum it up to get this thing rolling. And so um, I saw throughout my whole life, the roller coaster that he and my mom rode where there really wasn't consistent income coming in. And then, you know, come tax time, you know, when you're in the same house, you hear things, even though you don't really 
realize what they're necessarily talking about, but I knew, especially as I got older, come tax time, they were having to come up with however much money and um, trying to figure out where they were going to get the money. Because at that point, they were living on the money that they had made and had spent even what should have been set aside for taxes because they were trying to survive, right? So I, I knew that very intimately. And at this point, I think I was already helping prepare his returns. I think I probably had, had done it maybe one year because even initially, like, you know, for years I, I've been able to do taxes, but he had his CPA. I really didn't want to do his stuff. He had his person. Um, but there was one year in particular where it was just, it was ugly. And he and my mom were having the conversation that I knew I was extremely familiar with because not only had I seen them have it over the years, I had plenty of clients that had the same conversations going, where am I going to come up with this money? And I said, well, what do you think about this? I'm like, there's a couple things that I know we can do to make this better. Let me explain them to you. And he said, if you think that's what we need to do, then let's do it. I said, okay. So we ran with it. And I mean, it has saved them thousands of dollars that, you know, because then that particular year, they had had a really good year. It's probably their banner year you know, from the, the very beginning. Um, and so I think the sticker shock that he had on, wow, this is what I'm going to pay if we don't make a change was enough for him to be open-minded and say, we need to do something. And that, you know, I think a lot of people are that way, especially new business owners. When you go from, if you owe it's a tiny bit, you know, every year, or you get money back to no one else is sending in money for you. You're, you're going to, Oh, if you're doing well and you're profitable, you will pay money in. And the first year that you do really well, it's kind of painful. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really feel that great. And so when you, when you experience that year after year and you recognize, Hey, there's gotta be something that we can do. And the natural question, is my CPA doing enough, doing really what I want them to do to reduce this? And the answer is most of the time, not every time, most of the time, it, they're just not. Um, simply because we're talking about really specialized uh, niche knowledge that takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to figure out, which is why most CPAs don't do it. Well, that's... I think that's correct. Most people I know, well, first off, if you're listening to this and you're like, you just like wipe the sweat off your forehead because you were like, I'm not the only one who doesn't pay my taxes or doesn't set aside money. Like yeah. I've had, I've had great years where I didn't set aside enough. I've had horrible years where I didn't set aside any. The the roller coaster that you're talking about is true. Yeah. I mean, I've, my first business that was full-time was 2001 and I didn't set aside enough that first year. And then I had to go sell a bunch of stuff. I had to go drum a business. I've been pretty good yeah, about it, yeah. but I've definitely had years where I was a little short or I figured sure. it wrong. But the, I think that's the first, like when I found out, I, I shared with a mastermind that I was part of, there were 25 of us. And I shared that I didn't have enough set aside. And they were like, how much are you short? And I think I was short like seven grand that year, seven or eight, like not quite 10. 
And the one guy was like, oh, I'm short like 60,000. And that, that's like normal. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. like, really? And then somebody else was like the same. They were like, oh, I'm short like 25. I haven't paid one. One lady was like, oh, I haven't paid my taxes in four years. So I'll, I'll get there. Like, <laughs> I was just like, oh, my goodness. OK, yeah. I feel way, way different. Right. So that's the first thing. The second thing is. CPAs, this is what I found in my own, and we can discuss this because I'd love to hear the inside scoop. I've had, in the last 10 years, I think I've had six different people do my taxes. CPAs, their job and the way they see their job description is, my job is to prepare your taxes. They don't see it as my job is to save you money. They see it as, and you're one of, I mean, the smallest firm I work with, worked with, I think they had maybe, maybe 20, 25, and it was a single CPA and she did their taxes. And that was, she had like an assistant, right? It was her and an yeah. assistant. Some of the other ones I worked with, they have 20 people in the office, but their job is still just to prepare your taxes. It's not to save that's you right. money that's because right. they don't, that's not how they think about it. I, yeah. I think the world would be better if they thought about it as like, how can I learn a little bit more, figure out how to save you money and then help you do it. But yeah. that's not- why is that? Why do you think that that challenge exists? Yeah, and, and you're right. That's exactly, that's the issue is that they're really focused on what we call in the accounting language is compliance. It's following the law, you know, checking the box. Uh, they are asking me to do a tax return. I have to prepare this tax return and then I have to pay them this tax. Okay, check, we're done. Um, the issue is that when it, so there's, you know, thousands, like maybe not quite a hundred thousand or whatever, but let's just say a hundred thousand tax laws. There's a ton and it's ever evolving, ever changing. Someone asked me recently, so do I need to do tax planning every year or do I do it once or how does this work? And I said, well, let's think about it. Um, you know, we've got a new administration in and they're talking about doing some tax law changes. And um, I'm, I'm guessing that they will, they're gonna have to, our debt is growing too significantly. Um, so if that happens, that's huge, which means that would be an event you'd need to do tax planning. If you look back with all the COVID stuff, we had tons of COVID early. They did multiple different tax law packages that impacted people. And that was huge. Then before that, we had all the Tax Cuts and Jobs Acts, which that was huge. So just in the last, what is that, four or five years, we've had you know, lots of different things and that's not including if there's adjustments with the new administration. Um, it's a lot to keep up with that stuff, it really is. So just understanding the law, then understanding the changes as they come, then uh, figuring out the best way to implement these things once you understand them, because that's a whole thing. Then you have to know how to implement it. And then you have to like create it for your clients based on their situation. It's an undertaking. And most people just are happy with preparing a return because it's comfortable. Um, they know how to do it. And their, their clients aren't complaining. So why reinvent the will? And it's really, it's sad because it is a disservice to their clients, but a lot of them either don't really understand the, the impact they could have on their clients or um, 
they just are scared. A lot of a lot of CPAs are terrified of the IRS. So when you start talking about tax reduction, their immediate thought they go into this fearful. Oh my gosh! Either my clients are going to get audited, or I'm going to get in trouble as a practitioner and have my license yanked. When in reality, the IRS does not tell you you have to pay more tax than what is owed, like what you really owe. They just say you need to pay the right, like pay what is really due. And so it's our job as CPAs to figure out what that right amount is. Well, that's, so I mean, you're not overpaying. Hey, thanks for taking a moment to check out this episode of Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show helping you reach millions. Have you ever thought about building your own webinar or using public speaking to reach your ideal audience? Well, if you'd like my help with it, over the last several years, I have built more than 40 live events for clients just like you. In the last 18 months, I've helped 32 entrepreneurs build their webinar with over $5 million in cumulative sales. If you'd like to see how I can work with you, or if you'd be interested in having me speak at your event or be on your podcast, go to steven.coffee, that's S-T-E-V-E-N dot C-O-F-F-E-E, to book a short call with me and see how we can work together. All right, let's jump back to the episode. I think it's it is a fear-based thing though, because I think when you hear the IRS, like the IRS is gonna look at that. Oh, then let's just do something else, right? Like I've yeah. heard that all across the board. So okay, if people are listening to this and they're like, okay, how do I save money? How do I know if my CPA is actually doing a good job? They said that they've done some things to save me money because I everyone has told me that one year I had three different firms do my taxes to see what the numbers were that they came back. All three of them were different by mm-hmm. two of them were off by like quite a bit more, mm-hmm. more than 10 K. So yeah. I would love to hear like, what is something that every, every CPA says, Oh, we're doing tax strategy. What is something that you can like put your finger on and be like, mm, look at this because if they're not doing X, it's probably bullshit. They're probably, saying what you want to hear yeah so a couple things um the typical thing that i see not that it's necessarily wrong but it's very surface level so if someone if your cpa like okay it's the fourth quarter it's time to have a conversation with my cpa or it's like december 1st let's do it and the cpa says okay you need to go buy a new vehicle buy some new equipment um, hold off on depositing these checks if you're getting checks and you know, we're in a different era now um, and push out pay, you know, or pull in paying your vendors. Um, that to me is like, that's your only idea. I, that, that's all we're talking about here. Not that that's bad per se. You can only spend so much money every year to reduce your taxes. And really, I'm not an advocate of let's spend money to save money. And if you cannot get a return on your investment that is pretty quick, then you really shouldn't be spending that money. And so that's a huge red flag. If that is what your CPA is bringing to you is their advice at tax savings, um, you've got someone who really doesn't understand the tax law. And sometimes they'll go a little bit further than that and say, oh, you should be an escort again. That's great. You definitely can save money doing that. That's a wonderful thing to do. But if they're only saying, hey, let's be an escort and then let's figure out your reasonable compensation and get as low as possible, 
that also is very surface level type stuff. If they're not recommending like significant strategies, um, if they're not looking at, you know, things like a guest loophole or how do we shift income um, and, and pay your children with zero tax? Because there are ways you can do that. I'm not talking about like in your S4 for your partnership. I'm talking about using things like family management LLCs to do that where they pay no tax. Um, if they're not looking at things like captive insurance and cash balance plans and, you know, increasing your, your wealth, you know, really looking at a very holistic, how do we improve and increase your wealth overall? And they're not, they're not doing much. Um, when I do a tax plan for a client, they actually get a full-blown report. Here are the strategies. Here's how much they're going to save you. This is, if you implement all of these, then this is your total savings. This is how much you'll save this year. This is how much you'll save next year. And it's, they know. It's very clear. So if you aren't very clear, then you're not, you're, you're getting either superficial type stuff or they're not saving you money at all. Okay, that's awesome. I mean, that is really good information because I think everybody has heard every year, no matter who I use for my taxes, in December, I definitely get the call, you should spend X number of dollars this month because if not, you're just gonna pay a huge amount of tax on it. The, the one yeah. this year, she was like, basically, she's like, look at anything that you spend right now is getting a 35% discount on it. And I was like, I've heard that kind of stuff before. Okay. And I know that makes sense. Um, yeah. The next question I have for you, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, this all sounds really good, but I only made 50,000 or 75,000 this year, or maybe 150,000. What do you think the threshold is where your strategies start to show a positive return? Because I know that your services sure. aren't free. So, sure, sure. So one of the things that we do when someone is interested in at least finding out, am I overpaying in, in tax, which, you know, side note, um, if you're profitable in business, you're overpaying. Like you just are. <laughs> <laughs> if you're making money, you're paying too much. I can just tell you that much. Um, but we go through and do a, a full-blown discovery call to where we can understand like, what type of business do you have? Do you have multiple businesses? How are they set up? How much money do you make? How many employees do you have? How many kids do you have? You know, we go through, it's literally like going to the doctor for the first time and getting a full-blown workup to like blood work, let's do your blood pressure, height, weight, you know, whatever, shoe size. And we look at that to determine, can we help you? And does it make sense? If you're going to pay us money, you need to come out ahead. You know, we always want our clients to be the winner. You know, we, we want you to actually come out well ahead, you know, beyond us. But typically what I see is, you know, total taxable income is usually going to be at least 150, maybe 200. Not that you can't save money before then, but it doesn't always make sense to pay us to do that when the tax savings are, it could be you know, it's comparable to our fee, basically. Got it. Okay. That's a very fair answer. And I appreciate you being straightforward with it because other people that I've had on have definitely dodged that question. Um, that's <laughs> well, a and the other, 
the other thing is that not only is there profitability and I, I, we've been talking about business owners and I know that is very much your audience, but that mm -hmm. I, I want to be really clear. That is the catalyst for saving money, making like having a profit and being a business owner, the IRS, um, they literally write the tax code to businesses so that businesses can save money. A lot of people get really upset about that. Well, you know, how, why, why are they able to save money? It's like, I'm sorry, I don't write the tax laws. <laughs> That's just well, how it is. And you have to have a business, you have to have that shell in order to use the code to reduce your taxes. So, okay, you just touched on something huge. This could be a whole nother podcast. I'm just going to really quick. First off, most of the listeners here are business owners. If you are not a business owner, if you are not set up as a corporation, right? And at least an LLC and a sole proprietorship, then you can file as an S corp. You can do a lot of things. If you are not set up as that, I beg you, please go do it. If you are an employee that is somehow listening to this podcast, what would you say? I've had this conversation. I tell people, go do any kind of MLM, go do any kind of business yeah. so that you can have a business entity. I did this yeah. when I worked in restaurants, I had a business entity and it saved me so much on my taxes. And I would tell people, I'd tell people I worked with and they'd all be like, that's too difficult. That's too much work. I don't know how to do that. Right. I'm like, you're, it's free money. The code yeah. is to your point. I, I like, I get worked up because people are like, I hate that. I hate the government. I hate blah, blah, blah. It's like you, you're being a victim right now. Instead, yeah. the laws are written for a reason. If you know that gravity exists and you jump off a building and die, you're dumb. The same thing applies to tax code. If you know the rules are there and you can use them for your benefit, why wouldn't you? So what is the easiest way? If somebody is listening to this and they're like an employee, what is the easiest way for them to go set up a business shell that will actually save them money. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to your point, you can just be a sole proprietor, which means you just establish a DBA with your county and go to the races. You're good. Um, I would definitely say MLMs, direct sales is probably the easiest way to have some sort of side hustle. You know, some people have bad taste in their mouth uh, for direct sales. I actually, even when I was in corporate, I always had something going on and I did direct sales for a few years. And to your point, you know, it was great because it created tax savings, even though I was an employee. Um, aside from that, I would say there's just so many different ways in the world that we live in. Um, like there is a service out there and I cannot think of what it's called now. And uh, if I don't know, we were going to talk about this aspect, I would have Googled it before I <laughs> jumped on with you. There is a, uh, a service a company that they list your house if you have a pool. It's kind of like um, oh. uh, Airbnb and things like you know what I'm talking but about. But it's for pools. Yeah, I know exactly pools. what you're talking about. And so if you have a pool and um, like we have a, a nice backyard and I've even thought about <laughs> renting it on this place. So I'm like, well, why, why not make some extra money, right? Um, there's that. I think there's even companies now that you can rent your vehicle. And... Uh -huh. Yep. yep. And so there's different things like that that you can do. Uh, there's Instacart, there's, you know, the, people delivering groceries. I don't, I think that they're contractors as well. Um, yeah, they are. Literally, the sky is the limit. 
the only reason you wouldn't be able to come up with something is because you don't want to. That's, you, you just hit the nail on the head perfectly. If you do not have a business in today's day and age, regardless of being an employee or not, you, it is on you. It is because you don't want to do it. And it's, if you're like, well, but I don't want to deliver groceries or I don't want to rent my car out or I, here's what I want you to hear. Like, I know somebody who did this with Turo specifically for the tax benefits. They rented their car to a family member through Turo so that they could write off a portion of their car payment, their insurance, their internet, and a home office, yes. resulting in thousands of dollars in savings with no penalty. Like, right. yes, it takes a few hoops to jump through. It, yes. Would you rather, if the average employee in America is making $25 an hour, which I think is probably high, but we'll say 25 for the sake of argument, and you could go do this and save five grand, is it worth, how many hours is that? If you're making $25, it's four to a hundred. That would be 40 to a thousand. Is that worth 160 hours to you to go set this up and do it? Probably spending 10 hours to make yeah. 160 yeah. hours worth of income. Exactly. Because the reality is, is a lot of this kind of stuff, it really doesn't take a lot of time. And what are you doing in that time? You're watching TV, you're scrolling social media, which none of those things are necessarily bad. Um, I scroll just like the next person. Um, but if you can leverage a little bit of your time um, every week to do something, it really can add up. I mean, I know people that started their businesses, they were in marketing for years and they started doing websites for people, social media management, um, and there's you know, using Instagram, TikTok. I mean, seriously, some of these people are on TikTok, TikTok, killing it um, with great little side hustles, dancing in a video. And then they have a little link tree or something in their, their profile that they get affiliate commissions, affiliates. That's another one, affiliate commissions. So yeah, there's so many, so many different ways. If I had to start over and do something totally different, honestly, it would be hard to choose. What do you do? It would be. All right. That is not the point of the podcast. The point of the podcast is to talk about taxes, saving money. Tiffany, if people want to learn more about you, where can they go to get a free assessment? Yeah. So the best thing to do is go to my website, www.tiffanyphillipscpa.com. And there is a link and it'll take you to a booking calendar. It's super easy. Uh, like I said, we'll go through and do a free uh, discovery call. And we'll figure out if it makes sense to work together. And if we can't help you, we'll tell you. And if we can, then you'll know by the end of that call how much you could be saving. Perfect. That is linked in the description down below. Completely free call. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain by having a professional look at your taxes, tell you what they could save or what they couldn't save. And you heard it from her directly. If they can't help you, they're not going to sell you anything. They'll tell you that. They're going to be honest with you up front. Yep. Tiffany, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much of your knowledge. It's super fun, even though we were thank talking you. about taxes. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. To everybody else out there, until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today.
Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.